0: Unprepared to engage Mormon missionaries when they knock on your door? Perhaps the book Mormonism 101 will help. Mormonism 101, published by Baker Book. Available at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism.
1: Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We continue our look at Tad Callister's talk that he gave on January 12, 2014 at Brigham Young University titled, What is the Blueprint of Christ Church? Tad Callister is of the Presidency of the Seventy. He is one of the Brethren. And in this talk, he gives a list of attributes that he feels proves that the Mormon Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is God's only true church on earth. He makes that very clear in his opening line, when he cites Doctrine and Covenants section 1 verse 30 that says this is the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth. Well now he's going to talk about another portion of the blueprint, as he calls it, of Christ's church, and that has to do with many accounts of angels and visions.
2: He said some people look with skepticism today at a church that claims angels and visions, but in so doing forget that angels and visions were a critical part of Christ's original church. The angel announcing the birth of Christ to Mary, the angel's coming to Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, the angel releasing Peter and John from prison, the angel speaking to Cornelius, the angel warning Paul of the impending shipwreck, the angel coming to John the Revelator, Stephen's vision of the Father and the Son, John's vision of the last days, and many more. The question should not be, how can the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints be the true church with its alleged angels and visions? Rather, the question should be, how can any church today claim to be Christ's true church, unless it has angels and visions, just as was the case in Christ's original church, just as it is revealed in his blueprint?
1: This is what I think is a little bit confusing, because he uses a lot of examples from the New Testament, which I don't think any Christian would disagree with. But when he talks about How can any church today claim to be Christ's true church unless it has angels and visions? And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I believe in the possibility of an angel appearing. I believe in the possibility of having a vision. Have I personally experienced such things? No. But let me ask this. How many times have you heard any Mormon leader get up in general conference and talk about visions that they have had or angels that they have seen? I can't recall of any. Now, it's not to say that in the early years of Mormonism, you had Joseph Smith, for instance, that was having visions all the time. How come that is not happening in modern day Mormonism? What I'm saying here is it seems like the same argument that Tad Callister is making towards us within Christianity can also be used against his church, because certainly they are not having those kind of experiences as they were happening in the early days of Mormonism, or as I should say, they allege to have happened in the early days of Mormonism. And what do you do about Muslims? We know that across the globe, a lot of Muslims... We keep hearing this over and over of thousands and thousands of Muslims coming to faith in Christ because they've had either a vision of Jesus or a dream about Jesus. They don't belong to any church, and yet they are having visions, and they are having dreams. They belong to a false religion, as far as I'm concerned, and I would say even as Mormons would be concerned.
2: Callister's main point is that Christ's true church is still having these signs, and so with angels and visions, as you're pointing out, early church leaders would have had that perhaps. I'm thinking of angels, I'm only really thinking of Moroni, but you have to take Joseph Smith's word that he ever saw Moroni, because there were no other witnesses for that. As far as the Mormon church having these today, Bill, you asked that rhetorically, but there has never been a time in recent history that I know of where a leader's come up and said, Oh, recently I just had a vision or I just had an experience with an angel. And yet Joseph Smith was saying this practically every year. He had some kind of vision or angel appearance.
1: I'm trying to think off the top of my head, and I do recall I think it was Joseph F. Smith that had the vision of the dead. I, I know that to be a case, and that's also found in the Doctrine and Covenants now. But when you think about it, look at the Doctrine and Covenants. These were all revelations that are supposed to be given towards modern Latter-day Saints, but most of them happened way in the past. It's still very old revelations, and yet they always want to talk about modern-day revelations. I rarely have ever heard in all my years of talking with Mormons of them telling me about a vision they had or an angel that appeared to them. So I think he's overstating this in this paragraph.
2: And perhaps a Latter-day Saint would say, well, maybe they are having visions or appearances of these angels, but they're just not talking about it. But that's not really... A clear point for us to be able to say this is the true church. If we can't hear about this, the point is, they're having these publicly. Joseph Smith never hid the fact that he was having these visions and appearances, so why shouldn't the current leaders come out and tell us what they are having?
1: Ted Callister goes on to say, there are many other fruits consistent with Christ's original church, and now he's going to start to wrap it up, so he's going to give a few more examples here. The first is, it was a missionary church.
2: Yes, and this goes along with the 17 points of the true church we've been talking about this entire series. The 14th point of the 17 points of the true church, the true church must be a missionary church, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And so Callister follows that lead and says, it was a missionary church. The apostles being commanded to go ye therefore and teach all nations. Matthew 28 19. Today we have over 80,000 missionaries fulfilling that command and bearing the fruit of doing so.
1: It's interesting how he admits the apostles being commanded to go ye therefore and teach all the nations and then he switches to the 80,000 missionaries at this particular time when he gives this talk. I don't see the apostles going out like that in the Mormon church but let's talk about those missionaries fulfilling the command and bearing the fruit of doing so. First of all I think again Callister's misunderstanding of what the New Testament church really is causes him to make a mistake here. I would say that the Great Commission is for all of us as believers and part of the church, that we are supposed to go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Where do you find, Mr. Callister, the blueprint in the New Testament that missionaries are supposed to be 18 years old to go out for just two years? I see the missionaries in the New Testament going out as a lifelong occupation. Right. I don't see this two-year limitation. I don't see a a year-and-a-half limitation to 19-year-old females. Where's that blueprint? That certainly isn't in the Bible. So if you're going to use this as an argument, then show me where the blueprint is in the New Testament.
2: And if you look at other churches, for instance, the Roman Catholic Church has been a missionary church for centuries, and many Protestant churches as well. So just because a church is trying to spread its faith, It doesn't make its doctrines true. I think that's a misnomer to think because the Mormon church is such a missionary church with all these missionaries, somehow that gives it credibility. It doesn't.
1: He goes on to say it was a moral church.
2: The blueprint teaches us that the early saints in Christ's church were commanded to dress modestly and to refrain from premarital relations. How many churches not only teach those moral standards, but also live them?
1: Well, I think a lot of churches do preach that. Now, just because you might find individuals who claim to be Christian that aren't following the admonition in the New Testament about modest dress wear and refraining from premarital relations— doesn't automatically assume that the fellowship that they belong to is incorrect Hey, let's be serious here, folks. There are a lot of young Latter-day Saints that are not abiding by that rule of refraining from premarital relations.
2: And I think that's why it was a mistake for him to say how many churches not only teach those moral standards, but also live them. And if he's referring to churches as the people who make up the churches, which we've been insisting all along in this series that that's what church meant in the New Testament, well, that's a misnomer because there are many Latter-day Saints who are not keeping what they're supposed to do. But generally, Christian churches Churches across the globe are teaching Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, which says, Keep the marriage bed pure. And we do follow 1 Corinthians 6 and 7, which talks about sexual immorality and the proper state of marriage and so forth. So I think he needs to be careful not all people that he considers Christian are, are going around and doing immoral things or dressing immodestly.
1: He goes on to say Christ's original church was a family-centered church. Husbands were commanded to love and be true to their wives, and he uses Ephesians 5, 23 through 25. Children were commanded to obey their parents, Ephesians 6:1, and bishops were commanded to rule well their own houses, 1 Timothy 3, 4, and 5. Let me ask you, Eric, When was the last time you heard a sermon from behind the pulpit telling you as a husband not to love your wife and not to be true to your wife? I can't recall anything like
2: that. I think my church is a family-centered church, and I know yours as well. And so to suggest that the Mormon church is the only one doing it right as far as family-centered goes is another misnomer
1: we can carry that on into his next line where children were commanded to obey their parents. I can't recall my pastor ever getting up and telling our young people, you need to disobey your parents. (laughs) I just don't recall that ever happening were bishops being commanded to rule well over their houses. I think a lot of Mormons would probably question that statement because I think a lot of Mormons would argue that they've known a lot of bishops who have not ruled their houses well. So I think Tad Callister is walking on pretty thin ice when he says this. But when he says, Today our church, like Christ's original church, is recognized as a family-centered church. Yeah, perhaps... Until someone in the family doesn't believe Mormonism anymore. Yes. I can't even count how many former Latter day Saints. And I ask them, well, how is it going in your family since you left the church? of the time, it's not very well.
2: I even know former Latter-day Saints who have left the church and haven't told their families even now, even months after they have left, because of the fear of what will happen.
1: That speaks volumes in and of itself. But then he goes on, and here, here is his coup de grace, you might say. The prophet Amos declared, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. That is the big issue with him, that you have to have these living prophets. But here's here's the point, folks. He finishes this on this big crescendo by taking another verse out of context. Amos 3.7 is not describing the pattern that the Mormons have in their church. If you look at Amos 3.7, to get the context, it's talking about a calamity that is about to come upon a city. In verse 6, it says, If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people be afraid? If there is calamity in a city, will not the Lord have done it? Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. In other words, Amos 3.7 is talking about God bringing an impending judgment upon a city And the fact that before he does so, he's going to send prophets to warn them to either repent or face the consequences. It has nothing to say about the arrangement that Mormons have in The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that there will always be a single mortal leader guiding the church.
2: Yeah, and in fact, if you read verse 1 of of Amos 3, it says, The Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel. There's your context. He's talking about the Israelites. Verse 2, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities.
1: And very quickly he goes on to say, Paul confirmed that revelation was an integral part of the church and was meant to be ongoing, for he declared, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord, 2 Corinthians 12, 1. I don't think it needs a lot of explanation. Paul is speaking of himself. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And then he also cites Acts 1 and 2. Acts 1 verse 2 has nothing to say about revelations to the church. He has another verse that he has taken out of context.
0: Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.